episode two. Maybe you're gonna be the one that saves me. Welcome back to your unofficial Everything Sucks podcast. I'm Ken, and as usual, I am joined by... Julia! The wonderful Julia. Welcome back. Welcome back, listeners and friends. We're glad to be back here. We're, we're, we're still staying strong in our effort to get this show back for yes. season two on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I actually have emailed Netflix about doing an interview. Hopefully they won't chicken out, and they'll have someone come on the show to explain the process or what's going on anything that would be exciting yeah well we'll see what happens because you can email everybody you want but who actually returns the email right Mm-hmm. on today's episode we're going to be discussing episode two maybe you're going to be the one that saves me that's right a lot happens in this one this is action-packed mm-hmm and we're going to do a walkthrough through this episode like we did last time. We hope you all enjoyed our look at plutonium. Yes. Unfortunately, no special guests this week. It's just us. Just us. You'll have to make do with us yeah. think, talking about McQuaid and everybody else. Yes. I think someday I'm going to do a McQuaid cast. That would be awesome. <laughs> McQuaid saves the universe. Hashtag McQuaid movie. Yes, it needs to happen. So yes. without further ado, here we go. Many mumbling mice, dancing in the moonlight, mighty nice. Good morning, BHS. I'm Jessica Betts. I'm Scott Pocket. Scott Pocket. Before we begin, today we have a special video presentation. It comes to us from a... Roll tape! Episode mm-hmm. two, maybe you're gonna be the one that saves me. Yes. And... We join Emmeline in the locker room mm-hmm. with a gang of girls in the shower room after gym, and she is talking about the sizes of various body parts. She seems to be hung up on <laughs> that quite a bit. Oh, you, you could say that. Yeah, a little bit. It'll also affect something that happens later on in the episode. But when she first starts talking, she's talking about how someone showed her their penis, and it was pierced yes uh yes a pierced uh yes and how (laughs) oliver did not like that no which also tells us something else that we'll talk about later their relationship is definitely rocky that's for sure toxic is another word for it well both yeah but we'll unpack that when we get that box from amazon so (laughs) (laughs) i get the feeling that emmeline is always used to being the center of attention and when she's not trouble will happen this is i definitely got that vibe from this scene too especially when she was like actively trying to get the other girls around her to like touch her chest and they were like "Mm, i don't really want to and she's like come on and she was really loud and very showy Mm -hmm. yeah she talks about how her breasts swell during her period and Mm -hmm. how they could quadruple in size Perhaps that's her mutant power, like if she were one of the X-Men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a little awkward to be talking about on this podcast. I know, I know, but it's it's in the <laughs> show, right? Yeah. We see Kate nervously trying to get in and out of the shower room and not be noticed, and her eyes are drawn to Emmeline. 
she's trying her hardest not to listen in or at the very least to be able to pay attention without anyone noticing that she's paying attention. Mm -hmm. Do you get the idea that Kate was trying to get in and out fast? Because to me, she looks like, like there's certain people that just are not comfortable being around other people in the shower room, right? I was one of them. Me too. I was one of those people in middle school too. I utilized the stalls quite frequently. I took the fastest showers that ever happened in human history. <laughs> so here she's getting trapped by catching the eye of Emmeline. And once their eyes yes. make contact, all hell breaks loose. Yes. Emmeline asks the ladies around her to fill her boobs when she notices Kate looking up. Kate hides her face. Emmeline yes. walks over to Kate and asks if she wants to feel them. Kate doesn't really want to, but Emmeline takes her hand anyway. Yes, and she places Kate's hands on her aforementioned boobs. On her chest. Yes, her chest, yes. I use boobs because she said it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Kate pulls away, and Emmeline acts in fake shock and exclaims, Oh my God, did anyone just see that? Kate Messner just touched my boobs. She seriously just grabbed them lesbo much? Yeah. And... Kate actually tried not to touch her boobs. If you see what happens, Kate's actually, she knows that her hand is going somewhere. She she tries to guide it up toward, up above them, right? She does, and I think that's because of ridicule that she knows she's going to get if that happens. Well, not only that, this is without consent, right? You know. That too, and also I think in this particular instance, she's trying really hard to be straight, which is just not working. Mm -hmm. Adolescence is a uh, curious time, and it can be very scary. Yeah. As Emmeline does her best Mean Girls imitation, the opening credits show us a locker room door being spray-painted with the logo, Everything Sucks. Mm-hmm. Scene two, we see Luke getting breakfast ready for two. Yeah, I, lo I love this scene. Like, I love, I love the scenes between Luke and his mother, just because I love their whole family dynamic. I think it's really positive and very refreshing. Mm -hmm. This is also the first time that we see Sherry O'Neill, right? We've, we've heard her discuss, but this is the first time we see her. It is. Luke is placing everything with care and just so on the table. He then sits across the table and pulls the folder out from underneath his arm, and he sees the notes he is studying. The paper says... How to Ask Out Kate Messner. Kate Messner, which, which we saw at the very end of the last episode. Mm -hmm. Now, Luke is fairly inventive because he comes up with these four points of things to do, possibly. Skywriting is number one. Number mm -hmm. two, a single yep. telegram. Number yeah. three, facts. Good luck with a fax machine today, right? Because those are dead for the most part. Number four, telepathy. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised McQuaid didn't come up with that one. Me too, to be honest. Because that seems like something that, that he would, you know. Which I think we kind of see something happen later along those lines, but we'll get there too. At this point, Luke's mom, Sherry O'Neill, opens the door. Yes. She sees the breakfast that Luke has laid out, and she asks what the occasion is. He says there is no occasion. Sherry asks him if Child Protective Services stopped by. <laughs> and he goes, yep, the fake mustache worked like a charm. Now, are we to believe that Child Protective Services really did stop by? That I was not sure about. I'm still not sure about it. Yeah. Because it could happen, you know. Hopefully they explore that in the next season. Netflix, are you listening? Yeah, that would be cool. So, 
Luke mentions that he is joining the AV club and is dissecting a frog named... Gorf. Yes, Gorf. And and why is it named Gorf? Because that's frog spelled backwards. Makes perfect sense to me. Mm Mm-hmm. He also mentions that he met someone. At this point, you could hear the the brakes of a car and a car crash happen. Sherry looks up like... (gasps) Yeah. And the camera zooms into their faces. It it tracks Sherry's face when she's talking or Luke's talking and then back the other side to Luke, right? Yes, it does. And Sherry is realizing that she's going to lose her son to a girl. I think that's something that every mother dreads. I think that's something that every parent dreads regardless. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And this is a very tender moment. And... Luke mentions that Kate is, well, he says she is all that and a bag of chips. I thought that was beautiful. I, I, I loved the way that he, that he talked about Kate in this scene. Mm-hmm. It's very, very nice. Though that saying to me was old the second time I heard it back in the 90s. So. Yeah. <laughs> Luke asks for advice on how to ask Kate out. Sherry mentions that she hopes that Luke will be safe. <laughs> I <laughs> I think I like the way that she went about this talk and I like the way that Luke responded to what she was saying. Yeah, it I took him like was, a, a second, right? I thought that was very relatable though. Yeah. He was like mom, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Sherry's face is full of caring for Luke and she mentions that he needs to look before he leaps, unlike poor Gorf. Yeah. And that he should just be himself. Mm-hmm. Ask her out. She says, quote, ask her out in the most you way possible. Absolutely. Luke mentions that Sherry got pregnant with Luke. And he actually says, or like when you got pregnant with me. Mm-hmm. Sherry says that Luke is the best thing that ever happened to her. Yes. She also tells Luke to tell Kate exactly how he feels in the most you way possible. Mm-hmm. And just before our next scene appears, Sherry says, so what's her name? Yeah, and then the camera cuts. Scene three, the word dyke is on Kate's locker as she tries to wipe it off, and she realizes that it's on there. Yeah, she's furiously wiping it away with her shirt to no avail. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's really on there. And we see the other students react to seeing the word as Kate freaks out. That has to be a very scary moment. It definitely does, yeah. I don't know what I would do if I was in that situation. I feel I have to say something here that, you know, I'm I'm an old guy, right? So I grew up in a time when even the hint of someone being actually gay was a death sentence. In some Definitely. It, it socially killed you, if not physically. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you could be picked on, beat up, the butt of jokes and stuff like that. And because we do live in more open times in some ways. Right, but that was definitely not the case back then. Right. I mean, there were some things that were happening on a national level, and where things were being more accepted. But it's it's weird. We tolerate behavior between musicians and movie stars and stuff that we wouldn't tolerate from our next-door neighbor, right? Yeah. Like, for example, Ozzy Osbourne can pee on the Alamo, but if you did it, you're going to jail. Mm Mm-hmm. True story. Yeah. And (laughs) 
So this is one of the things that Kate is dealing with. It just kind of sets a little bit more historically what was going on in 1996 a bit. So she's freaking out for a reason. It definitely sets the tone. Yeah. Yeah. So we then cut to the morning announcements with Jessica Bett and Scott Pocket. And Scott, as per usual, makes a dirty joke. Oh my god, this one's really bad. He says that for lunch today is it Sloppy Joe's? They should be called Sloppy Scott's. On a Jessica Betts bun. Yeah, I'm glad you said it. At which point <sighs> Jessica says you are so inappropriate, and as she storms away... Scott finishes with, These are your morning announcements and have a boring day. Yeah. But then as she's like running out, he's apologizing. Did you catch that? I didn't. Yeah, it's there. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Come on. And, you know, it's it's like they're like an old married couple or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're stuck together. Luke is oblivious to everything going on around him as he tries to make eye contact with Kate, who darts her eyes every time he does. Mm-hmm. Luke asks how Kate's focus is on the 456 camera as Kate she tries says, to leave. She says, it's fine. He starts to try and ask her out, and then she's like, I have to get to geometry class, and she darts out of there. Mm -hmm. At which point, Luke says to himself in a whisper, next time, Luke. Yeah. Scene four as we join the Mighty Three in the lunchroom table, and McQuaid looks like his head is going to explode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Luke and uh, McQuaid are there, and Tyler slides in and says... Is he trying to open that surge with his mind? <laughs> Gotta love Tyler. He's mm. so great. He definitely brings the humor to any situation. Yep. So that would be like opening up a can with telepathy. See, this is why I said that McQuaid could do this. So <laughs> <laughs> McQuaid is on high alert as usual, and I do believe that he could open that can with his mind if he actually needed to, but that's later yeah yeah as the guys get into a discussion on how to ask kate out they mention point break and jumping out of a plane with no parachute gah I mean, he broke both of his knees but other than that it turned out okay <laughs> mcquade is once again in protective mode and luke mentions how mcquade may actually like kate if he gives her a chance and stops being so judgmental mm-hmm mcquade tells luke that he has his support Yes. At which point Tyler asks, where is your lady love? <laughs> I love his face when he says that. Mm -hmm. We join Kate eating lunch in the ladies' room in a stall. Yep, cut to Kate. Yep. She's not wanting to be around anyone right now. Yeah, and then we see the camera cuts to the two girls that are in the bathroom talking about Kate supposedly feeling up Emmeline Adario today. Mm -hmm. And then talking about how Kate probably has AIDS, like that guy from Real World. Yeah. Which Real World was a one of the first reality shows that was on TV, and it was on MTV, so it was a big thing. And when someone came out that was in the cast, that was that was that was big news, you know. Mm-hmm. So these these whispers, these gossipy whispers are coming through the bathroom stall, and Kate's just, she can't even eat her food, which I wouldn't recommend eating in the bathroom. But that's no, me neither. So the one girl says if she's a lesbian, that does, does that mean she has AIDS? 
probably. Now, I'm surprised yep. Kate didn't bolt out of there at that point, right? Because Well, I think I think she was waiting for them to leave, quite honestly. Oh, uh, yes, absolutely, but just hearing that that's just so insane. Yeah. At this point, the feedback from the school intercom system screams Kate Messner to the principal's office. Mhm. Kate explodes out of the bathroom stall and throws her tray, silverware, and food, all of it, into the garbage can. The gossiping girls realize that Kate heard everything they said. Scene 5. We are now in the school hallway beside Emmeline's locker. Oh, yeah. Now, there's something weird going on in the background with this one character that I don't know if we ever see her again. I'll be looking for her later down the road. The one that was standing next to Oliver's locker? Yeah, it seems like she's, like, encouraging this attack on Emmeline. Yeah, it does. It almost seems like she's encouraging it. I'm thinking she she may like Oliver. Potentially, yeah. yeah. I know I'm reading a lot into someone that doesn't even have a line, right? But, so Oliver screams at Emmeline with shouts of infidelity and says, Unbelievable! Harlot! Fallen woman! Streetwalker! As he throws his funky sunglasses at her. Yeah. Those are some weird-looking sunglasses. My grandma got them for me! She has <laughs> diabetes! Uh, he mentions that the rumor around school is that Emmeline was felt up by a chick in the girls' locker room. He asks if this is true. Yeah, and then Emmeline does the most, the absolute most, and she begins to talk about how, yes, that happened, and... My loins quaked! Yeah. Quaking Loins, that's the name of a bad band name, right? That's defi- That's an awful band name. Although, Sh- I- Should I edit that out? <laughs> I thought that was funny. I think you oh, should okay. keep it in. Alrighty. <laughs> I mean, I thought this scene was really interesting when I watched it. Because I think it gives us a lot of insight into Emmeline as a character and how she deals with situations. And although her talking about her her loins quaking and how she ached for her touch was very over the top and showy, I have to wonder whether she was telling the truth. And this was her way of just being honest. Well, to me, it just seemed like they were back in... Uh, drama club mode right they were doing another scene and Oliver's trying to say look this is not what is happening here she goes into default drama club mode for me I when I was watching this scene I personally Mm -hmm. thought like yes Oliver was trying to say like come back to reality what are you doing Mm -hmm. I think I think Emmeline just thinks that the only way that she's ever really heard is if she's over the top and dramatic And I think that her saying these things, while they may not have been 100% true yet, she was struggling with these weird feelings that, you know, as she so described them. Mm -hmm. But that's being a teen, right? Mm Mm-hmm. All this stuff happening and trying to make sense of who you are and where you are and how you fit in and everything. And her over-the-topness and, like, why she does this, like, this... This also connects to, and I'm not going to say it yet, but it connects to something that she that she says to Kate later on in the season. So mm. Oliver says that they are not working a scene right now. He says that she will never be a good actress because she is out of touch with her inner truth and that mm-hmm. she cannot even have a normal conversation. Yeah. And what he's saying here is kind of true. 
She's kind of like a boat with no anchor or destination. I agree. 100%. Yeah. To me, the thing that he says the most that hurts her is that is that he feels sorry for her because she can't even carry on a normal conversation, right? And yeah. then he feels bad for her. And that's that's like kicking someone when they're down kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. At which point she attacks back with, you have a tiny dick. <laughs> and like I said, she keeps track of body size issues, right? She keeps a track of everything. So this is the second time we see her talking about sizes of bodies. So Oliver says, that's it, we're done, it's over, and Emmeline smashes his funky sunglasses with a big boot stomp. Yes. And, and then we get that line. Bitch, my grandmother gave me those, and she has diabetes. So. Yes. But I love the spacing in between. My grandmother gave me those. One, two, three. And she has diabetes! (laughs) We cut to scene six. Kate enters the principal's office and her father is going by the book. Yeah. Kate Messner, come on in. You asked me to treat you like any other student, so here I am. Take a seat. Exactly. We also find out that the janitor has a name, and it is Janitor Steve. Janitor Steve! Janitor Steve. Whenever I see him, I I see that thought bubble that says, I'm not cleaning that up. Yeah. Ken Messner says that crassly worded graffiti was on her locker as the camera pans in on Kate. And you get the idea that the camera panning in on her is like the whole world coming in on her as her father tries to explain what the word is and ask why someone would do that. And Kate just goes, because people are stupid. And I couldn't agree more. Principal Ken Messner says it was just random, and they may not have known whose locker it was. He asks if she's okay, and Kate shows a roulette wheel of emotions as she lies and says, yeah. And it's one of those moments that just hangs there, and it allows Peyton to do some intense, wonderful interacting here. Yeah. And I love how the camera just lingers on her. Because it's, it's such an uncomfortable moment. And she's going through all these things. And it shows kudos to Peyton. Fantastic. Peyton's acting in this episode. I mean, her acting throughout the whole series was fantastic. But this episode alone just blew me away. And I think Ken Messner realizes that he's not going to get much more from her. And he dismisses her and says, back to class, young lady. Yeah. But both Kate and her father, we see their faces, and neither one of them are very comfortable with this conversation. We cut to Kate sitting alone in a dark stairwell as Luke sees her through the trophy case glass. Luke Mm -hmm. tries to make small talk. Kate mentions that she was just thinking about Luke and thanks him for the CD once again, and that track three is saving her life right now. Yeah. At this point, she shares her headphones and plays Wonderwall by Oasis. The title track of the episode. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Luke has a thought bubble, you know, one of those big explanation points that just pops up. Yes. You can, you can see him get an idea. The yeah, light exactly. just turns on. Ting! Mm-hmm. And he says he has to go. Yes. Scene seven. We see Tyler in the library reading a fifth grade reading level book. He's a ninth grader reading remedial reading so journeys in reading fifth grade level yes very good good eye there julia 
Tyler asked McQuaid if he could invent a robot that would read stuff for him. Mm -hmm. At which point McQuaid says, not to worry, that when robots do take over, none of this will matter. We will just be brains floating in tanks, slaves of virtual stimulation and synthetic automated nourishment. Yeah. McQuaid is as serious as he can be as he delivers this line. And Julia, I think this could be part of the plot of the McQuaid spinoff movie, McQuaid Saves the Universe. Yes. So, get on it, Netflix. Definitely. We need a McQuaid movie. Hashtag (laughs) McQuaid movie. (laughs) Tyler would be fine with that as long as it gets him out of remedial, right? So. Yeah. At which point Luke shows up and says, guys, I've got it, but I need your help. Cut to the Spin Doctors, Two Princes montage. Yes, the montage of them recording the video. In my notes I have, we see the Mighty Three come together doing research, setting up storyboards, getting sets and costumes as Janitor Steve looks on and is thinking, I'm not cleaning that up. (laughs) Yes. We see them filming bits of famous MTV videos. You see Luke doing things as the line from the Spin Doctor song says, A prince in love is hard to beat. We see them in a shopping cart filming and doing all sorts of weird things that we'll see later. Going to thrift stores. That thrift store is a pretty popular place in this series. It is. We will definitely see it later on. Mm -hmm. Scene 8. Luke is home and bored, and he decides to go through the tapes that Kate found in our last episode, Plutonium. Mm -hmm. And he finds his father, Mr. Leroy O'Neill's video blog. Yes. Now keep in mind, kids, nobody else saw this but anybody who found the videotape. So it's not like this is a blog that's being broadcast over the internet. This is just... Yeah, YouTube did not exist back then. Exactly. No such thing. There was MTV, no YouTube. So there we go. Yeah. And as he's watching the video, he sees tender moments between his mother and father. And Jahi does some amazing acting here. I love his facials. Yes, just just you you have to realize there's no other people in the room except for the crew, right? And he's able to look at these scenes of his father and mother having a good day, and he's remembering everything, everything that was good, everything that was bad, everything that was the best, and everything that was the worst. He's hearing all these voices from the times that they laughed to the times that they fought. You see it all in Luke's face. And he's also reconnecting with his father. Uh-huh. And that's like, you can see that in his eyes. You can see that in his smile. He doesn't even have to say anything. And you can just tell. Well, don't you believe that Luke basically thought of him as dead from some point on? It's the only way to survive, right? Definitely. Yeah. Scene 8, a new day at Boring High, as we see the morning announcement crew setting up for the school broadcast. Jessica Betts and Scott Pocket are doing some vocal warm-ups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leslie then approaches Kate and asks her if she is a homo. Mm-hmm. And Kate says no, and Leslie says, I hope you overcome this, and I will pray for you. Kate thanks her. The camera is weirdly framed on them at at some point, and it's done so that you get the idea that they are worlds apart. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. But in the background, McQuaid overhears the conversation and wants to leave. Yes. 
he's not comfortable with this kind of stuff. He, he just wants to do school, get home, be safe. So, yeah. Luke brings the video in that the Mighty Three filmed and asks Mr. Stargrove to air it. And cuts a deal with him. Oh, yeah, he cuts a deal. First, first Stargrove asks him it's, if the video is inappropriate. And then he says no. And then he says, well, what's in it for me? And while this deal is going on, McQuaid is trying to get Luke's attention in between the deal-making, right? Mm -hmm. And finally, Stargrove settles on a price, which is a six-pack of Jolt. Yes, that's right. Jolt was the equivalent of Red Bull. That, that stuff was nasty. It was just nasty. In the stairwell, there are videotapes on the wall. Check this out next time you're watching it. As McQuaid's coming down the steps, you see all these videotapes on the wall. In the shape of AV. Yeah, yeah. It almost looked like dominoes in the shape of AV. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Good eye. McQuaid tells Luke that he has new information which has come to light and that Luke's odds with Kate are potentially compromised. Luke is yeah. having none of this and accuses McQuaid of being jealous and that's, that is why he is so negative. He said, that's absurd. I'm always negative. <laughs> of course. Unfortunately, McQuaid is on to something. Right. McQuaid looks like a praying mantis. I don't know if you see that in this scene or not, but he kind of looks like his shoulders are punched in together. and just He's very uncomfortable. He's trying to protect his friend. Definitely. And then we see Tyler come onto the scene, and he just <laughs> says, Oh, man, everyone's going to shit when they see this. In a good way. Of course. And Luke confirms to McQuaid, See, people are going to shit in a good way. Don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. Scene 9. The good morning, boring high starts, and they introduce themselves, and after Scott says his name, Jessica says his name like the Hot Pocket commercial jingle. Yes. Scott freaks out and acts like a supervillain from an old Marvel comic book, like, curses, foiled again. Like, you actually see him rage. <laughs> As Jessica starts the announcement, Scott screams, Roll tape! Roll tape! Roll tape! And signals the camera to show the video. What an odd scene. But it just shows that their history of going back and forth is not just one-sided. They like to pester at one another. Yes. And then the video starts. Yes, we see the video start playing and the school reacts to it. We see... Uh, what could be called homages to some famous videos from back in the day. Alanis Morissette's ironic video. Nirvana's mm -hmm. Smells Like Teen Spirit. Blind Melon's No Rain. And we see Luke wearing the different costumes, like in the bee out outfit, and dressed like Monica and Kurt Cobain and all that. And McQuaid's face. Yes, and McQuaid's face. And, and McQuaid's drumming in the Nirvana stuff. I don't know if you caught that or not. Yes, yes. And Tyler's a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. So all of this is happening as Luke lip-syncs to Wonderwall. And the video seems a hit among everybody at the school. I mean, everybody's watching this, including the principal, Ken Mesner. Mm-hmm. And we get a special appearance from Carter John. Yes, we do. Hello, shout-out, hashtag I am corndog kid, Carter John. The video ends with Luke flipping up his glasses and says... Kate Messner, will you go out with me? Yes. At which point, the entire school does a collective gasp. Well, think about it, okay? If you were in high school and a guy asked you out over the entire school PA and video system... 
Yeah. What are you going to say? Like, I always feel sorry for people to go to ball games and they'll be on the Jumbotron and the guy will propose to the girl in front of 30,000 people, right? No mm-hmm. pressure, right? No pressure. But in this moment, and this is one of the things that this show does so well, where they take these quiet, intense moments like we were talking about earlier, like the conversation between Ken Messner and Kate Messner, where they just mm-hmm. let some tension hang in the air. This is one of those moments where the tension is there, and you're just like, and? You see everybody flipping out. And what does she say? Yes. And the school goes bonkers. Yep. All the characters react. All of this broadcast over the school. Luke is thrilled. Of course he is. Kate looks like she got hit by a truck. Yeah. And that is how this episode ends. Mm-hmm. Wow. A lot happened here. The ball moved a lot down the field. And we dealt with some more adult stuff. Definitely and a lot to unpack. Yeah. What are your what's your rating on this? Like, if you were to rate last episode, what did you rate that? Let's say one to five. Five out of five. So five out of five corn dogs is what five, Plutonium Five got. out of five corn dogs. Okay. Yes. So what does this one get out of you? Five out of five corn dogs. I'm going to give this one five out of five for corn dogs as well. Just one, just one shy of a six pack of Jolt. So, <laughs> looks looks like we have a new rating system. Yes. Well, there we go. Thank you, Carter John. When we first see Emmeline after what we saw in the last episode with the suicide by corn dog, to me it was a character I almost hated immediately. Yeah. Which is different than not liking the actress or actor, right? There's a there's a difference between what the characters do and and what who the actual actors and actresses are as people. So anytime we're talking about the actions of a character, we're not talking about the actor or actresses. So don't think that we're beating up on somebody, okay? Of course. Yeah. I have not seen a lot of work by Sydney Sweeney, but she's damn impressive. And Oliver is as well Elijah Stevenson. This yep. cast is just so good. Yeah. And I can't say enough good about this show. Five out of five corn dogs all around on this. So let us know how many corn dogs you give episode two of Everything Sucks. You're going to be the one that saves me. Yes. I'm excited to read how many corn dogs this episode gets from our listeners and friends. Yep, that'll be definitely interesting to see. Wonder Walls is a great song. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Me too. Should we play it? Sure, yeah. All right, let's do it. Introduce it. And now we are going to play the song Wonderwall by Oasis, which is the title track for the episode. Is that your DJ voice? (laughs) Sure. be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you by now you should have somehow realized what you gotta do i don't believe that anybody feels the way i do about you now backbeat the word is on the street that the fire in your heart is out i'm sure you've heard it all before but you never really had about 
banana slugs hashtag renew everything sucks hi this is patched era ken messner from everything sucks on netflix and you're listening to the pop podcast speaking of our listeners and friends why don't we try to get online and get some feedback that we've gotten from twitter this week yes any minute now takes a second so the first tweet that we have is from a user called at not gray it's gray they say peyton kennedy is just amazing not only did she play kate messner a character who i can deeply relate to she is an amazing actor who inspired me to become an actor as well thank you so much for giving me the strength and courage to do what i love that is very good this next one is from at 
underscore 2001 underscore B. They say, I really loved the show. I really loved Kate and I need to see her again. She's a great character and Peyton Kennedy made a great work. It would have really helped me a few years ago and now it's probably helping so many teens and kids. Hashtag I am Kate Messner. What other feedback do we have? We have one from a Twitter user at Poppy's Poon. They say, representation is life-saving because it's life-affirming. I wish I had Everything Sucks TV when I was a little queer kid in Long Island. What a loss. Hashtag I am Kate Messner. And did you see the article that came out this last week? There's an article published by businessinsider.com, and it was entitled The Eight Best New TV Shows of 2018 So Far. Oh, that's true. And Everything Sucks was on that list. It was number eight. The first thing you see is you open up the article. Yes. And here's what it had to say. It gave it a critic score of 69% with an audience score of 90%. Now, what does that tell you? That the people that are actually watching it love this show. Yes, they do. Carrie Whittemer wrote this, and she says about Everything Sucks. Everything Sucks tells the story of Kate Messner a high school sophomore who's coming to terms with her sexuality. Her journey, which happens to take place in the 90s, showcases how hard it was to be LGBTQ plus teen two decades ago. This season, which picks up in the final episodes, also shows a lovely romance between Kate's dad and her friend Luke's mom, which is one of the few quote-unquote parent stories on a teen show that's not a complete waste of screen time. Amen. Unfortunately, Netflix already canceled the show, but there's an active campaign to bring it back. Yes, there is. Yeah. So thank you, Carrie Whittier, to, for getting the word out and spreading the word around. She's also the same person who wrote the article, Fans Are Rallying to Save Netflix's Everything Sucks, after it was canceled back in April 10th. So she's yeah. really following this story and keeping it all together. So mm -hmm. very exciting. So the word keeps getting out. Things keep happening. And I'm hoping. I'm hoping beyond hope because there was another article that was posted. And it was, I think, the top ten TV shows that were canceled but brought back by fans. Yes, I saw that. And, it, you know, of course, the number one example is Star Trek, because not only did it get brought back, but it's continued to live on to this day. So, And that's 50 years. So who knows? Maybe we'll have Everything Sucks for 50 years. Wouldn't that be something? That would be amazing. Yeah. The thing that keeps me driving, that gives me the most hope about this movement, is Timeless. Timeless was canceled after season one, and it was a very, very short turnover period from when it got canceled to when it got renewed, solely because the fans made a bunch of noise online, and NBC rethought their decision. Yeah. Or, I don't know if Stitchers was mentioned in the article, but I was actually part of that movement, too. We got Stitchers back for a season two after a very, very long hiatus, because the amazing Emma Ishta had a baby. And Freeform was considering whether they should keep Stitchers on as one of their original programs or whether they should cancel it. And the fans made so much noise during the hiatus that Freeform decided to bring it back. That is fantastic. So if we can do it for the other shows, I have high hopes for Everything Sucks. And Netflix, we are not, we are not, I repeat, we are not going to stay quiet until you tell us something. So don't expect us to die down anytime soon. Well, you heard it from Julia herself. Don't want to have to face a Julia scorned, so. Nope. All powerful. Yes. All right. Well, 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Everything Sucks and our look at episode two. We will be back soon with our look at episode three. What's the name of that one? Episode three, All That and a Bag of Chips. There you go. Remember, let us know how many corn dogs you gave episode two. We will see you on Twitter, Facebook, and everywhere out there in the internet world. Where can people find us? You can find us at Pop Staff Tweets on Twitter or at P. Kennedy Updates on Twitter. We also have a Facebook group. Just search hashtag Renew Everything Sucks. Until next time, Banana Slug. Alrighty. Well, we will see you on the next episode of our unofficial Everything Sucks podcast. See you later, Banana Slug. And that's our show. Our podcast is an online, nonprofit audio fanzine made for fans of the Netflix original series Everything Sucks by fans of the Netflix original series Everything Sucks. Any samples of music or TV heard here remain the property of their owners. Our show is not affiliated with Netflix or Everything Sucks, and opinions heard here belong to the people who express them and may not reflect the views of our staff. If you like something you heard, buy it or subscribe to it today. If you enjoy the show, like us on Facebook or Twitter and rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm your announcer, Christine Wolf, saying remember, hashtag renew everything sucks. Hashtag save banana slug. <laughs> I'll tell you what, do your best DJ voice. Okay. <laughs> and now we're going to play Wonderwall by Oasis, which is the title track for this episode. You never grew up with AM disc jockeys. N no, not really. <laughs> if, have you ever watched any movies from like the 40s? I can't say that I have. Well, if you've ever noticed, people really talk really fast. They're like, hey, listen here, mister, I'm going to tell you something. If you, if, if, if you, if you yeah. bring your palooka around here one more time, I'm going to give you something to think about. You know what I'm saying, bub? You know, yeah. So everything was super fast. And then World War II happened, and then the 50s happened, and then we get to the 60s, and radio, they would talk so fast, like, I'm the big bopper dropping the top right to you from the top of the pops. It's the top ten. With Ken, right here on WKIP Radio, blasted into your ears, bringing all the hits through all the years, right at you. You know, things like that. Yeah. And then in the 70s, FM kind of took over, and it was like, hey, welcome back. It is the top of the hour. We're going to play <laughs> some Pink Floyd for you. Yes. Followed up by The Doors. It's Jimi <laughs> Hendrix. Can this please go in the bloopers? Right here on WMMS, home of the buzzard. <laughs> and then it got to a point where now there's no such thing as a disc jockey anymore. But uh, no, it's 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 weird. Sure, I can put that stuff in there. It's just one of them days. <laughs> Said maybe. You're gonna be the one that saves me. And after all, you're my wonderwall. This has just made the bloopers, by the way. <laughs> no! It's just one of them days. Alrighty then. Is that going to go in the bloopers, too? Probably. <laughs> 
I said maybe. You're gonna be the one that saves me. I'm trying to figure out like what your accent is like when you do that. Yeah, it's more like, you're gonna be the one that saves me. Like an old-timey, uh, I said maybe. You're gonna be the one that saves me. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> hello, my honey. Hello, my darling. Hello, my ragtime gal. Oh, my gosh. Renew everything sucks. You sounded like Face from Nickelodeon. That's what I do. Which is also very 90s. Hey there, Face here. 